Good morning. <laughs> you know what? My first sentence here is, these have been uncertain days that we're living in around the world. So you're having a hard time, so am I. And we just demonstrated that. And I trust that we will be able to demonstrate the ability to follow the Lord and say what he wants us to say this morning. Let me pray. Father, I pray, use these words for your kingdom, for the edification of all who hear and all who have gathered in your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everything that we have experienced here in Japan in the past years has been very orderly and secure compared to other countries of the world. Katie and I have been in a lot of countries and loved every country that we were in. But there's nothing like Japan. And those of you who are out there in America or some other place and you want to be here, I wish I could send a part of Japan back to you. But the Lord bless you. There is a heavenly kingdom coming. And it's far beyond the greatness of Japan. But with the coronavirus, it seems that the whole world has been turned upside down. And indeed, it is being turned upside down. It seems that there is no one who is in absolute control of what is happening. And so we are vulnerable beings, human beings. We don't control our life. We need to submit to the one who can control and who will lead us into green pastures. And that is our Lord, the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Will it ever be the same? When will this social distancing end? When we can, without masks and without distance between us, be able to really be again the body of Christ. This congregation, more than any I really have ministered in or known, has such a close bond with one another. And it happens very quickly. What a gift and blessing we've had. What we have lost, but you know what? It still comes through the masks. The way your eyes smile and are bright. The way you care for others. We have seen so many acts of kindness in these days. And we thank the Lord for the tough times but we thank the Lord for those he has touched who are reaching out and who are understanding how to get past the restrictions and the social distancing. It seems we are not coming to the end of the plague. But what does Hebrews say? Do you remember when we were going through Hebrews? Endure. Endure to the end. Run the race to the end for the prize. All these things that we've been talking about this past few years are coming home to us. We need to review some of that, perhaps. 
and go back over and really understand what God was preparing us for these past few years. But you know, we're getting very tired of the situation and we fear that it will never be normal again. But there is a message that I would like us to consider for our hearts today. And that comes from this title from John 14, Do Not Let Your Heart Be Troubled. What a word. Do you know the circumstances? Probably one of the most hideous, one of the most horrible happenings ever in the history of mankind happened by these words. Do not let your heart be troubled. Who said that? When did he say it? It was our Lord Jesus Christ. And he shared it with his disciples who were at that point under great pressure from those around them. And he says to them, do not let your heart be troubled. In other words, not distressed, not fearful. Let the Lord take that from our hearts of any fear and distress and be able to see him through all of this. Jesus gathered his 12 disciples around him as he had a special meal prepared for them. It was in a secluded room, upper room, with a low table for reclining at that table. No need for chairs. It was the fashion of that day, even in Israel. There was a, a rumor going around that the authorities were seeking to arrest Jesus. Things were uncertain, unsettled, and fearful. In fact, this was the very reason why Jesus arranged this place for his band to fellowship with him. I think most of us are looking for a stable place to meet and come together, right? There was obviously trouble, and Jesus spoke of that. Plainly stated, one of you will betray me. And it says of Jesus, he was troubled in his spirit. And I've thought about that these last couple of weeks as I felt the Lord was wanting me to speak off this passage. What did it mean that Jesus was troubled in his spirit? Was it for himself that he knew that he was going to be taken to the cross? I don't think that was really what was troubling him. I think what was troubling him was that those he had come to know, those that he had, especially at this time, had called them together to spend this last night with their beloved Lord. They didn't know that. He sensed it. And he walked in faith with his heavenly Father as 100% man, 100% God. But he left his Godhead aside so that he could walk in our place as 100% sanctified without sin so that he could be that pure Lamb of God for us. There are some times when we, as the followers of Jesus, we 
feel separated. We feel this is not right. I don't feel part of this. Suddenly there's real social distancing. And that's what happened in that room. How did that happen? Jesus announced, one of you will betray me. Can you imagine? What would that do if I pointed out some of you and said, one of you will betray us? All of a sudden, there's social distancing. Was it me? Perhaps it was him. Social distancing isn't new. It wasn't invented in our day and age. It happened in that room with the Prince of Peace present there who had called that meeting that time of rejoicing of worship together. It happened even in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not let your heart be troubled, Jesus says. Let's read this passage. John 14, 1 to 6. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wow. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is a very famous passage. And with this, Jesus had prepared not just the room, but also the platform or the opportunity for them to take in what this was all about. But they had no idea, like we have no idea, where we're going in these days that we're in. We walk by faith, not by sight. They did the same in their trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. And the outline is, do not let your heart be troubled. Take courage. There is nothing to fear. My first title for today's message was, just that outline, take courage, there is nothing to fear. But I thought, it really doesn't get to the heart of what we're talking about. The real issue is a heart that is troubled. And Jesus says to us, do not let your heart be troubled. Take courage comes from our Joshua 1.9 passage that uh, Ace and I were asked by the board if we would come up with a theme verse for this year. And so we prayed, and Ace and I talked together at a restaurant, and I had suggested a few verses. He had suggested some, and then we felt, no, this is the verse that we should have. Joshua 1.9. 
And in choosing that, we felt like there's probably some things that people need this verse. It's probably, you know, we always have trouble. We had no idea what was going to happen with this coronavirus. It wasn't even on the, the screen. Nobody could predict it or did predict it that I know of. All of a sudden, it was with us. And we knew. We knew this was the verse. But we didn't know what was going to happen. And of course, that is now becoming history. It causes a lot of fear. But God says to us, have I not commanded you? He's speaking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that is true. It's a true statement. I don't think Ace is a prophet. Uh, I am not a prophet either. But the Lord did give us a theme for this year. And I want to point you to that today. Because many of us are suffering under this situation. Not only financially and physically, but also mentally, socially. We just feel down. These are hard times. But the challenge to us is take courage. Verses 1 to 4, take courage. Psalm 119 is an incredible psalm. And a few weeks ago, I read through Psalm 119 and was picking out the words that were encouraging and would build us up. And I found myself really receiving a word that I needed to be encouraged that the Lord was with us, that I wasn't alone, that, yes, I'm getting old. Yes, I forget a lot of things. Yes, we need to retire. <laughs> we need to have someone younger to come alongside and to help me down the stairs and up the stairs. This is unsettling. I've never been 80 before. But the Lord was encouraging my heart. Just for myself? No. I want to encourage you also. Psalm 119. I would really challenge you to go through that and read it this week. Take all week if you need to. And just go through Psalm 119. An incredible, incredible psalm. It's special in its structure and in its focus. It's the longest psalm in the Bible, as well as being the longest chapter in the Bible. But that's not really why it's so special. It is special because of its focus and emphasis. Its structure is built on the Hebrew alphabet of 22 letters. Each stanza starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, reflects the meaning of the alphabet. There are 26 letters in the English language, 22 in the Hebrew. Every stanza or letter of the Hebrew alphabet focuses on the attributes of the Word of God in Psalm 119. Everyone points to the Father. Everyone points to the Godhead. Every one of them points 
to the walk that we have as believers in the only true living God. Every stanza or letter of the Hebrew alphabet focuses on the attributes of the Word of God. Each beginning verse of each stanza sets the theme or focus on an aspect or a particular attribute of the law, the Word of God. That is what is important to the psalmist. It is a classic psalm. Read it, digest it, know it, apply it. May the Lord use this in our devotions. I think we could apply that to taking a verse, one verse each day as we're doing our devotional time. Take one verse at a time through Psalm 119. It would bless us to know that the word is the true word. It's the foundation. It is what our lives as believers are founded on. For instance, the first letter of a psalm starts with elf. I think that's the way you pronounce it in Hebrew. We would say alpha, which is one. That's what it means. It means God is one. And each letter after that has a meaning which reflects the attributes and character of God. God is one, and there is none like him. The other part of our passage today has to do with there is nothing to fear, verses 5 and 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is a very basic tenet of our faith. It says a lot just in that statement of Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to God in one but through me. This is basic to our faith. This is Christianity, Christ follower number one for us. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This morning, we're gathered here as believers. And one of the things that brings us together as believers is that we have made Jesus Christ the one that we come to to reach the Father, to be able to stand before him as holy, as washed clean, as made right in our relationship with him as well as others so that we become not little Christs, but we become like him in following him. We are his disciples. We are his followers. He has redeemed us. He has given us a new spirit. He has forgiven our sins. He has washed us clean. He has made us to be 
a new creation. Do you think of yourself as a new creation? That's what you are in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There is the story within that chapter, and Thomas is the one that speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know the way. Show us the way. You know, Thomas is sometimes called Doubting Thomas. But, you know, his life was an incredible life. He did question after the resurrection, after Jesus came back and showed himself to the disciples. Thomas was not there at that first showing. But later he heard that Jesus had come, had been risen from the dead, and he had presented himself to the disciples. And Thomas, I've always admired him. Katie has accused me of being a pessimist. But I see things that are out of place and out of order, and I can't help but point it out. But I, I say, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. You're the one that has all these good hopes for these people or this situation. I'm the one that's the realist. Well, I've come to know that I'm not a realist at all. I'm a lot like Thomas. Unless I see it, I won't believe it. So God's had to really clonk me over the head sometimes for me to be able to really understand what he's doing in a situation. I feel badly for you as a congregation with me as the pastor, but that's the way it is. And I have to fight this all the time of thinking, no, this is the way it really is. But it was a revelation to me again that we need to look through the eyes of Jesus. Giving grace, of course, not judging people. Being able to understand that God is at work in all of us and we're not perfect. Yes, in him we are perfect as far as he sees that we're walking in his way and we are perfect because he is perfect. But there are a lot of things that need to come into the truth in our lives, right? I discovered about 365 fear-not verses in the Bible. There's actually about 500 of these verses in the Bible of fear-not or something along that line. And if you would like to have a copy of that, I printed it out, and I tried to find a good website that I could just point you to that. But, you know, be careful out there, folks. There are some websites that look like they're okay, but underneath there's some things that you need to know. And this was one of them, so I went through all of those to pick out and see if they were fudging or picking out some of their favorite verses. And I did do a little bit of editing with it. And I hope it's not plagiarizing, but they're from the Bible. And so I went to the Bible and pulled those out, not off their website. I just took them right out of the New American Standard Bible. So if you want a copy of that, send me an email 
and I'll wing that copy to you. It's about six pages long. It'll encourage you. You could use it in your devotion time as well. May you be blessed.